0: Learning to let go is a, is a practice, I think, that we can all agree needs to be learned over and over again.
1: Today, we've got a great friend of mine who I've known for almost 30 years, a guy named Kurt Llewellyn. Kurt is the director of the Center for Innovation at the Pheasant School. He's an educator, a coach, uh, just a super curious guy who um, got into meditation in high school but then really started practicing it later in his life. So I know you're going to get a lot of great things out of it. And you're going to enjoy hearing the conversation with Kurt. And thanks again for joining. All right. Well, Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So you and I have gone back, we go back A lot of years and I think you were one of the earliest the first guys to really kind of get into meditation I know this podcast is really about yoga but but obviously meditation is uh, probably the the bigger the bigger opportunity for those people who who do have a yoga practice and many of them probably aren't quite at that level but your practice is really about meditation so looking forward to hearing your path with with that practice and um, I guess a great place to start would be, you know, how did you get into it? Where were you in your life, and um, you know, what brought you to meditation?
0: Yeah, so um, when you initially asked me, you know, to to do a podcast talking about yoga, I was uh, hesitant because my my yoga practice is novice at best. Uh, but when it comes to mindfulness and meditation, those things, um, those are things that I've I've had a pretty solid practice in for over twenty years, and. My initial exposure to it was actually in high school. I can't recall if it was sophomore or junior year, but uh, I went to a boarding school and was taking a religious studies class with one of my lacrosse teammates. It was kind of just a generic religious studies class. And the teacher was somebody who was uh, also a mindfulness and and meditation instructor. And she invited students of her class, and I think even others, uh, to come down on Saturday mornings and, and do a little yoga stretching into meditation. And uh, this teammate of mine, both, you know, she, she mentioned that it was good for athletes. And this was back in the nineties. This was kind of pre Tom Brady and others who were espousing things like yoga and mindfulness. (laughs) And uh, so we were, we were skeptical probably, but we were intrigued. We went and uh, I think that was the only time we, we did it just this this one Saturday morning. But I, I remember having a pretty profound experience, enjoying it quite a bit, coming out, feeling really relaxed. You know, there was a bit of a stigma probably back then. You know, you and I have talked a lot about the, you know, the sort of fading stigma about things like mindfulness meditation and and yoga itself. But yeah, so I want to say there were probably 15 to 20 students there with this teacher. It was probably a 40 minute session, something like that.
1: You know, what about it drew you to it? I mean, there was got to be something that was like a hook or some kind of curiosity. You were like, why not? You know, why not check this out?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think she, she had talked about it in terms of athletes and performance. I think that was one of the hooks that got us. Um, she was a super cool teacher. I think, you know, we both enjoyed the class she taught. Um, and so I think those are probably the two primary reasons we were kind of interested in just going and checking it out. Um, yeah. And so that was the, that was the initial exposure I think. And that was what planted the seed for, you know what what later on became uh, a pretty a pretty solid practice for me
1: can you remember at all perhaps in in the beginning when you first started meditating what you thought about it uh either sort of the awkward novelty of it or actually what you really enjoyed about it
0: uh, probably mostly the difficulty i remember thinking you know this is really hard right and that's that's in my experience, that's what most people's experience is like at the start, um, that it's difficult, right? Meditation, often many Buddhist philosophers, you know, talk about the fact that meditation is simple, but not easy. And so I think I remember finding it difficult and thinking, boy, my my mind wanders a lot. Um, but also, as I said, I also remember having this distinct uh, feeling of, of being relaxed and calm when I left. And I think a lot of that had to do with with the stretching and just, you know, the peace, the quiet.
1: So- moving forward, finishing your, your, uh, your high school experience and then going into college, did you, did you kind of continue to do meditation or was this sort of something that you kind of did once in a while
0: that, so that was literally just kind of a one-off experience. Um, and I, I definitely did not really even return. I, I, you know, I, I definitely read some things about Eastern philosophy, uh, in, in high school and in college. Uh, but it wasn't until after graduating college, that I had a kind of profound experience, um, that shifted things for me. Uh, and that was that I was living in Boston and, uh, was working locally, walking to work and things like that. And
1: is this for the financial services industry or is this for, uh, uh, known brands <laughs> on Newbury so,
0: Street? Uh, yeah, ironically, it was kind of between things. I had, I had quit my job in the finance industry, you know, just kind of figured out that suits and elevators wasn't the gig for me. <laughs> I hadn't quite figured out what I wanted to do, do next. So I was, I was working at the Patagonia store, as you mentioned on Newberry. Uh, I was riding my bike to work and and trying to figure out, you know, what, what to do next. It was, it was a kind of a, a an in-between moment for me. Uh, and ultimately uh, as you, you mentioned, you know, I, 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 turn to education as a career. Um, but I was out for a run one evening and was actually stretching on the Charles, the docks down on the river. And I literally threw my back out to the extent that I remember like barely being able to limp back to my apartment. And I think in hindsight, you know, a lot of that was stress related be- because I was f- contemplating a, a pretty major career change. And I was given the book uh, "Healing Back Pain" by John, Doctor John Sarno, um, and you know he's been touted by Howard Stern among others, um, and he's somebody who you know writes pretty extensively about the mind-body connection. And it took me a few reads, but having read this book, I kind of was like healed. <laughs> and a lot of what he talks about has to do with. Uh, you know, stress and how stress can find its way into your, your physical body in, in ways. And so um, that really sort of changed things for me. And I, I remember, you know, after reading that book and after uh, sort of recovering from that injury, um, starting a practice uh, pretty solidly, meaning at that time, probably, you know, every other day or something like that. Uh, which eventually turned into a practice where I do simple, you know, sun salutations in the morning into a a meditation practice anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes.
1: Yeah. And so, and so you, you weren't necessarily doing yoga, at least in the, the eyes and ears of what people consider yoga these days. It really was a meditation practice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any, you know, any yoga that I've done has been, you know, pretty amateur. My, my wife, Uh, is a much more experienced yoga practitioner than me. And, and, you know, my practice is really lending itself to loosening my body so that I can sit in zazen in the morning uh, and sometimes in the evening as well. But um, yeah, initially when that back injury started, it was about stretching. And I remember reading quite a bit, you know, in, in Dr. Sano's book and then others, you know, that stretching was key. You know, there were, there were things that were happening to my physical body that was causing the pain, but the stress and, and the way that, uh that stress kind of found itself into into the body was what actually you know caused me to throw out the back so yoga was aiding my meditation i think uh as much as as the other way around
1: and i think that the part about john sarna the his whole thing about the the tense muscle syndrome or whatever he called it you know i think that's a huge it's such a huge um discovery for so many people to realize their bodies and their minds are just holding just an absolute ton of tension and it manifests in weird ways in every, you know, it it manifests in the heart and the mind and uh, you know, in your whole body. And I think being able to unhook or at least acknowledge that there's all this tension you're holding, you have no idea that you're doing it. And then being able to over time get really good to let that tension go. Like you get better at learning how to let that tension go pretty quickly
0: for sure. For sure. That's, I mean, that's what a meditative practice is all about. It's all not the, the time that you're spending on the mat, but how it affects, you know, the, your overall life. Uh, and so learning in those moments, how to just sort of release that tension. I, you, you mentioned, you know, I have another good friend who, uh, struggled with some serious lower back pain injury and was unable to play golf for years. And I sent him the book and, I can't remember if I heard back from him initially. I think maybe I did and just, you know, was still struggling with back pain and wasn't playing golf. And it was years later. I don't remember how many, but, you know, something like four or five years later, I remember getting this long, super nicely written email uh, saying, you know, he he finally was kind of just frustrated and and read the book one more time. And for whatever reason, it's, you know, struck a chord with him. And, you know, I think a lot of people think of the, you know, they hear literally just hear that name, you know, healing back pain or a mind body connection. And they think that it's some kind of woo woo, you know, you know, quack science, you know, Dr. Sarna is Harvard trained. This is based in real science. And so, you know, I think it may take, you know, longer for certain people to kind of wrap their head around that. But yeah, you know, I get this, this email basically saying, you know, he's playing golf, uh, you know, he's running, he's doing all the things that, that he had once been able to do, but was unable because of the injury. So yeah, it takes, I think, you know, uh, it takes a different amount of time for different people to kind of settle into a practice where they see meaningful change about the release of the attention and, and those sorts of things.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, do you lie down or do you sit or is, what's your posture when you do meditate? Yeah. So I, I sit just cross-legged on like a Zafu cushion, Um,
0: you know, we have yoga mats in the house. So I usually do a little bit of stretching, uh, usually just like some tunes on some reggae tunes or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, sit, uh, I use, uh, various, you know, meditative apps just to time it usually with a bell at the start and a bell at the finish, but, uh, pretty straightforward.
1: And have you noticed sitting on a cushion? Do you find that your back is actually stronger from having gotten used to sitting over time and maintaining healthy posture, because if you don't have good posture, it's just going to wail on you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned I work in a school, and uh, not as much now, but but I used to work even more with with some of our younger students, and so sitting you know cross-legged on the floor you know is is, is not a rare occurrence. And there's no doubt about it. I remember at one point um, listening to it was actually a meditation instructor. Uh, from one of the podcasts that I, I listened to. Uh, and she talked about, uh, the analogy of, of an avocado, you know, you, you want it to be perfectly ripe. You want your back to be, uh, firm enough that, you know, it's, you know, holding your neck and your shoulders properly. Uh, but you want to be relaxed enough as well. So this kind of, you know, middle, uh, ground where you, as you, as you say, the more you practice it, the more it becomes the natural posture when you take your seat
1: yep yep and when you when you sit to meditate, like how long uh do you usually on average sit when you meditate?
0: yeah it's basically anywhere from five minutes to forty minutes and and some of that has to do with you know schedule. I try to make it a a, a common practice, so I really try and carve out at least twenty minutes every morning um and it's roughly i'd say a half an hour to forty minutes from the stretching to the sitting. Uh, and I I do that as I say primarily uh, every every morning and uh, once in a while I'll, I'll sit in the evening as well. And you say every morning you
1: have a certain time that you hit it early on.
0: Yeah, a lot of my practice is is based in in Zen Buddhism, so um, a routine is is definitely a part of this. So you know I, I try and get up at the same point every morning to do my practice. Um, one of the books that I've, I've read most recently is a book called Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. And it was a book based on an article in the Wall Street Journal that I had read. And so, you know, a lot of people are are certainly, you know, not so familiar with the Buddhist aspect to this. Um, so mindfulness is is the word that I would definitely use more uh and you know tm transcendental meditation is something that's becoming m- more and more common and you know it's a very secular approach to the same practice which is you know sitting quietly and not trying to do away with thoughts but just placing attention on thought
1: yep you've been doing this for a number of years now have you noticed how how quickly or how easily you can drop into that place you want to get to
0: yeah it, it's a it's a slow progression, but yes, you know, I think of it. I've been doing this, you know, that that running episode that I talked about was probably 25 years ago, something like that. So I've been doing this for a long time, and it's very slow progression. But yes, certainly, you know, at this point, you know, it's much easier for me to sort of recognize if I'm tensing up or if there's any stress, and and you know, relaxing right in the moment. And that's ultimately that's the goal of this, right? It's it's not to say, hey, I I can sit and meditate for X amount of minutes a day. it's it's to see what impact it has on your sort of relaxed nature outside of or off the cushion.
1: And so in working with both younger men, sort of uh, and, t- and maybe speak for a moment a little bit about your role at the Pheasant school.
0: Yeah. so um, you know I, I don't I, I teach in the innovation center, as you say, we have laser cutters and 3D printers. It's a really creative space. You've you've been in there. It's, it's an awesome space and it's buzzing with activity. Um, So what's required of me on on any given day a lot is is my attention. Uh, And it's coming from multiple, you know, uh, angles, lots of different students who are looking for technical uh, help on different things and uh, being able to relax into that sort of creative chaos uh, and just enjoy the moments and know that, you know, if you can't get to help this particular student in this moment, assuring them that you'll find the time to do that and sort of, you know, creating that atmosphere of relaxedness, because there's there's certainly a lot of excitement uh, with the, the creative aspect to, to my job, um, but also sort of combining that with, you know, an attitude, a vibe, if you will, that's that's relaxed and, and has people really sort of being their creative best. So I apply those practices in sort of tangential ways. Then there are some, you know, some kind of specific moments. I always remember one, I was working with a, a bunch of third grade students. This was years ago, probably 10, 10, 12 years ago. And they were all on Mac desktops at the time, and they were laggy. The internet was slow. Something was laggy, and so they were getting frustrated. And I remember saying to them, "The computers can sense your anxiety. If you're stressed, they're going to be really slow. If you relax, you'll find that they're faster." And all these third grade kids were like, "Oh my god, it's working! Oh my god, it's working!" And of course, that's like a Zen koan. It's like not you know, right, it's like right. not not based in science really, but it was. You know, your perspective, right? It's so yeah. they sort of had this this experience where they, their shifted perspective allowed them to just, you know, be much more relaxed with a a stressful situation.
1: I think it's it's a huge, it's a huge thing, I think, in our modern lives these days is is just uh, knowing when you're impatient and then all of a sudden just saying like, all right, I'm I'm not gonna be uh counting the seconds or the minutes here. It just, you know, it'll happen when it happens, you know, whatever you're waiting on, right? Elevator, you know, someone to respond to an email or just whatever it is. It's a huge thing to be able to have that um, control over whether or not uh, you're even um, letting that delay, that lag affect you. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like it's a practice, like how, how, you know, sometimes you just you're just impatient and you can't you can't make that connection. But over time, it's so much easier to do. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and you know, we, we, we've we talked a lot, you and I, about this, you know, sort of um, it becoming more commonplace. So mindfulness and meditation, while it's not my role at the school, is something that's taught, you know, a lot, starting at a very young age where we've got like kindergarten students doing the snow globe exercise where they kind of shake a, a snow globe that they've made and watch the the little things that are inside slowly settle and, and just try and, uh, you know, focus their breath and do things like that to relieve stress. And certainly, you know, our current circumstances have, have raised anxiety levels. So you, you, you hear and you see quite a lot of talk in schools now about mindfulness and meditation. And we were, we were talking earlier, I was saying, you know, my initial sort of path into this had to do with athletics and, and lacrosse specifically at the time. I coach lacrosse at the school I'm at right now. And last spring we had our season canceled, but we did a a lot of quote unquote practices where we'd hop on Zoom calls and do different things. One of the things we would do is have guest coaches or guest alumni players that are off in college or secondary school now playing. And one of the coaches we had on, um, in fact, two of the coaches, both one of the, the coaches from Deerfield Academy and the coaches from Belmont Hill, both mentioned that both, you know, during the the quarantine, the, the season that got canceled, but in prior seasons as well, you know, yoga was a regular part of their practice. Really? Yeah. So to hear that, you know, coming from these really elite, you know, lacrosse programs to some of our youngest guys, it was like, okay, you know, that's, that's great. That's,
1: but we're there, you know, the, the, this is no longer stigmatized in any way. So they're saying at, the, at these private school programs, they incorporate yoga as a part of their athletic training for the season, for the game, for the practice, whatever.
0: Yeah. And they were saying, they were saying it in the context of of the season being canceled. So, you know, I, I think it was the, I think it was the Belmont Hill guys that said two out of the, you know, two out of the four to, or five days that they were online quote unquote practicing together, they were, they were doing yoga. So I think it had increased because everybody was home and it was something that you could do. Um, but, but it was clear to me that, you know, they they believed in, you know, in what yoga could do, uh, you know, in terms of your flexibility, your strength conditioning, all of those things. So um, yeah, I mean the fact that that it was mentioned on two of those calls um tells me that it's uh, it's no longer, you know, a stigmatized thing where it's like, oh, that's a woo-woo thing or that's a, a, a thing for girls to do, but not not athletes.
1: Yeah. And I, and I totally get the, the younger, the younger generation, anyone who's in like a K through nine or uh or junior high or high school, those kids are getting exposed to this stuff early on. What's your sense about guys our age? You know, I think, uh, we are probably good pals with some of the least mindful, <laughs> mindful guys out there. Uh, depending on the hour, but, uh, but you know, what do you think about the guys in our age group guys in their forties and fifties? What do you sense as far as their interest and willingness and curiosity to start getting into this stuff?
0: Well, you know, I think it, it it's all over the map. You know, I mentioned the story about a, a buddy of ours who was had the back problem and it took him a while, but now he's a strong believer in the, in the mind body connection. So I have to think there's some, some bit of a, a a practice developing there, whether it's just stretching or or perhaps sitting as well and things like that. And I've had conversations with, you know, a bunch of our contemporaries who are, you know, somewhere on the spectrum here, but as a whole, I would say, yeah, we're kind of right on that bubble. It was, as I said, it, it was probably pretty stigmatized in 1990 or 91 when, when I was going to that class, it, there wasn't a bunch of dudes there, that's for sure. Um, so I would say, you know anybody in in the age bracket just above ours i think they're probably if if not skeptical hesitant um and and i don't know how experimental you know i i think the you know the, as you say the, the generation that's coming up right now for sure there doesn't seem to be any any stigma but the um you know the millennials and stuff like that i see a lot of practice so i'd say we're right on that sort of bubble age where you know, I wouldn't count against guys in our in our age group being into mindfulness and meditation, I know. Jerry Seinfeld is a big proponent of TM transcendental meditation. But yeah, I think it's far less common for for guys in our age and certainly guys a little bit
1: older. So for guys who are listening to this show now, what would be your advice to them uh and the reasons why they should get into meditation?
0: Well, you know, whether someone gets into meditation it is, you know, up up to them, I think you know, staying limber, staying loose, uh, staying relaxed is something that everybody's interested in. You know, uh, we, we talked about anxiety and, you know, what are some of the things that you can do that will help your day to day moment to moment be less stressful. You know, I think that that's usually the path into these practices is either some very acute moment, like my moment when I was out for my run, Or, you know, just a a slowly building kind of tightening of the shoulders and things like that. So, you know, my advice would be if you if any of those things uh, ring a bell with you as your body begins to age and the stresses of work life and those sorts of things. um, Yeah. You know that, that now is the time. You're never too old. That's for sure. You know, the older they get, the more important these practices become, in my in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I think a lot of that anxiety and stress, especially as you get sort of through your midlife, you know, there's just, there's just fewer things that are in your control. You know, you have, um, you're sort of into the second set, so to speak. So, so there's really, there's not a whole lot, there's, there's lots of time, but time is moving faster. And sometimes you might feel that your choices are not as many or, uh, your ability to change the situation is is less. And I think when you're feeling boxed in, you're feeling like, uh, you know, that, that you have less control. It's a perfect um, signal that, um, you, know, you know, starting a practice, meditation, or yoga or something is going to help you manage that in your mind, your body, and hopefully avoid other sort of health issues down the line from dealing with chronic stress. So uh, I'm totally with
0: you. Yeah. Learning to let go is a, is a practice. I think that we can all agree uh, needs to be learned over and over again. And, you know, if there's, if there's something to be said for those old folks in our age bracket, you know, there, there is some truth and wisdom in, in experience. And so I think there is a natural propensity for many of us to learn that lesson, you know, like it wasn't that big of a deal, whatever it was. So learning to be able to let that go and let the stresses, whether those are physical or mental, um, just, you know, kind of roll, roll off your back a little easier is something that is important
1: for all of us, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Kurt, this has been great. As always, I've enjoyed these conversations and thanks for spending some time with us today.
0: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. It's always fun,
1: Derek. All right, man. Be well.